back to that idiot in the elevator. I'm Claudia Liu, and welcome to another episode. This is a child-unfriendly podcast featuring mature topics and foul language as we explore embarrassing moments growing up and learning about life. Welcome to 2019, folks. We made it through another year, and to kick off the new year, best way I know how, we're going to do a podcast episode about personality tests. And best of all, I have my best friend Audrey on. Yay! <laughs> this is a topic very near and dear to my heart. Um, and Claudia has enlightened me with her favorite personality tests throughout the years. And it's always been something that we like talking about. So we want to share it with you. Yeah, we talk, well, we do a lot of personality tests together. And I feel like, but the best one and the one we do the most, slash we've talked about the most, is the Enneagram. So the Enneagram, generally, we're not going to just talk about the Enneagram today. We'll probably talk, we'll talk about the Enneagram, Myers-Briggs, um, the philosophy dichotomy test, which I feel like is newer on the internet. At least mm-hmm. I only heard about it like a few months ago. And then um, maybe a few other ones that are less popular. We've talked about a bit less, but... I feel like the Enneagram has mm-hmm. the broadest, or at least I found that it's like the most applicable and broadest, and mm-hmm. it's much less like you are one personality type. Like mm-hmm. Myers Briggs is very much like you are yeah. this, mm-hmm. and Enneagram is like everyone's a spectrum. You have a dominant type. How do you work with that? Yeah, I feel like I got into personality tests definitely starting with the Myers Briggs, but I wasn't sold on it yeah, because of not just like the on one. It. Yeah. Okay, so the Enneagram, according to the Enneagram Institute, which um, basically started with the two guys, who what their names are? Yeah, Don Richard Riso and Russ Hudson. So these two guys started it together, and, like, they are the founders. So, like, any books otherwise are either just, like, derivatives of it or, like, taken inspiration from them, but these are the people who, like, wrote it. And so their website um, basically says that the Enneagram system works as, like, an explanation that covers the basics of um, who you are and, like, they talk about their basic personality types, and they list, like, six inherent points to the entire test, and, like, the first one is that people do not change from one personality type to another, so when you take this test, and the original test is 180-some questions, you get one overarching title, and so they're arguing that you really don't change this basic personality type, you just have, like, healthier versions of that, or unhealthier versions, so you might change, but it's still within this, like, umbrella term, um, and that generally these personality types are universal, so it shouldn't matter, like, what gender or however you identify, it's just meant to be, like, characteristic traits, um, and it's just, like, a way to understand who you are as you fluctuate, so it's not focusing on, like, a static personality, it's, like, looking at how your personality is represented as you get healthier or, like, you Mm -hmm. go through harder stuff and how you, like, mature, which I think is interesting and, like, a nice way to, like, try to, like, encompass everything. When I took it for the first time, I was... I want to say I was, like, 12 or 13 because I remember my aunt found it and my aunt is always, like, super into, like, personality tests. So for a while, she had been talking to us about, like, the age thing. Like, so, like, the first child, middle child last yeah. child and like looking at those personality tests and then I think if I remember correctly because she was looking at that she found the Enneagram and so a lot of people in my family are sixes which is the loyalist. I guess we should go in quickly into what the personality types are. Yeah. So there are nine personality types. Mm-hmm. Um, type one is the reformer. Type two is the helper. Three is the achiever. Mm-hmm. Four is the individualist. Five is the investigator. Six is the loyalist, seven is the enthusiast, eight is the challenger, and nine is the peacemaker. So those are just the overarching titles, and those encompass, like, a chapter's worth of description, Mm -hmm. but they argue that there are nine main personality types. So when you refer to a number, it would be one of the nine. Yeah, so, like, when you break it down, so, like, type one, the reformer, like, the basic characteristics they give it are, like, principled, purposeful, self-controlled, and a perfectionist. Um, The helper is type two generous, demonstrative, people-pleasing, and possessive. Type 3, the achiever, is adaptable, excelling, driven, and image-conscious. The fourth is the individualist. They are expressive, dramatic, self-absorbed, and temperamental. Five, the investigator, is perceptive, innovative, secretive, and isolated. Six is the loyalist, engaging, responsible, anxious, and suspicious. 
Seven is spontaneous, versatile, acquisitive, yeah, acquisitive, scattered. Eight, the, the challenger is self-confident, decisive, willful, and confrontational. And then lastly, the peacemaker, nine, is receptive, reassuring, complacent, and resigned. And then the numbers aren't meant to be a ranking of them. They're just, like, arbitrary numbers. And which one is which isn't necessarily reflective of, like, value or whatever. Um, but so I'm a seven. I'm a three. Yeah. And funny enough, I don't think I know any other sevens and threes other than the two of us. I know mainly sixes and twos and then an occasional eight or four. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. But, like, so, yeah, so I learned it from my aunt, and most people in my family are sixes, which I think is interesting. Sixes and twos, which to me is, like, an interesting dynamic between the two of them, because, like, I, so I can't speak to all of them, because I don't, I haven't interacted with people who have, like, taken the test, or, like, and I'm not very, I'm not well-attuned enough to this to, like, pinpoint what someone else is just by knowing them. Um, but, like, twos can be a little self-deprecating because they're people-pleasing so they lose a bit of like their own will because they're trying to people-please and that to me is like an interesting conflict with like sixes who are very engaging and responsible and like that kind of anxiety that sixes can have like is not I don't know I just think it's an interesting combination in my family but then my sister and I I'm a seven and my sister's a four and to me those to me, I'm going to make this case that they're a very self-absorbed number. Oh, it says right here, self-absorbed. Yeah, I think they're very self-absorbed numbers. So, like, I think it's interesting that both my sister and I are both, like, one of the most self-absorbed characters in the Enneagram. But that's what it goes, um, there's, like, a book, and of course you can find this online, too, into, um, a lot of the pros and cons about both the tests, mm-hmm. um, so the sevens are yes they can be a bit self-absorbed um and overextended and irresponsible and excessive but they're also very spontaneous and curious and optimistic and outgoing and like future oriented um and i see all these things in you like every time i talk to you you're like i'm studying abroad in like sri lanka or like i'm just doing something cool yeah and you have that like excitement that i sometimes lack like i am I guess this goes back to the beginning when you talked about mm-hmm. some of the, I don't know, traits about this test is that you don't change over time. And I've taken this test multiple times before college and then during college. And I feel like I've grown a lot in that process and I shifted to become a three. I used right. to be a six. Yeah. Um, But I'm very, like, goal-oriented and driven and into performance, um... But I often, like, hold myself back by trying to be, like, appropriate and competitive mm-hmm. and all these things instead of the more spontaneous. Mm-hmm. Um, though, funny enough, threes and sevens, we found this out, are one of the most complimentary pairs of the personality types. What um, do you know? <laughs> I know. I was like, whoa, <laughs> wild. Who would have thought? Because um, we're different in our approaches. Like, I'm very, like, systematic. I want everything planned out. Mm-hmm. Um, but we both are, like, self-assertive mm-hmm. and have high energy and can be around people and bring optimism and, like, sense of possibility, mm-hmm. which I think is really cool. Yeah. I think that's interesting that, like, you talk about, like, you being, like, a planner and stuff like that. Because oh, I desperately wish I were a planner. I just don't know how to do it. And, like, I think it's also interesting because, like, no one in my family really, like, in my direct family, like, my parents are not planners. So, like, I never had that example, but I think it's interesting because, like, knowing you, I'm, like, I use you as my example. I'm, like, okay, I can do this. Like, I can do this. Like, the crib family is, like, my planning ideal. From the time I was two years old, I'd wake up and, like, Mom, what is the plan for today? Yeah. She had to tell me every hour of what we're doing, which is, like, good. I know yeah. that has helped me, but mm-hmm. then... I get into these, like, anxiety ruts of, like, I need to have my entire life planned out. Mm. Like, I need to know what I'm doing next year and the year Mm -hmm. after until, like, retirement. Yeah. Which is, like, catastrophizing Mm -hmm. and leads to really negative thoughts. Mm -hmm. Um, So I wish that I had more of that spontaneity Mm -hmm. and it's, like, it's going to work out. Yeah. Which is why we're a great pair. (laughs) (laughs) But here's the thing I wonder. Because the three, six, and nine, those are all connected. Yes. So I wonder if, like, when you took the original test, like, I wonder if, like, when they say, like, you cannot change your basic personality, 
maybe in some way that is right but what if like you took it and because you were in a certain place you got a six when in reality you were a three that is what and that's what you said that they change based on your states Mm because i know that when a six is like um com- more confident and like doing well they mm-hmm. become a three right yeah and I know that going to college for me brought out a lot more of that confidence mm-hmm. um and now when a three is stressed mm-hmm. I say it a nine maybe I have these mixed up I think it might be the other way I think it might when be the other a way. three is doing growth it goes to a six and a six will become a nine yeah but when it's regressing a six becomes a three and a nine becomes a six yeah, which I also find that that is when I get, like, upset. I turn into this, like, driven power mm-hmm. mode sort of thing. But I think that a lot of the six is about being loyal and mm-hmm. being responsible and dedicated, but it comes with a lot of anxiety. Like, you're mm-hmm. always worried about yourself and about other people. Yeah. I know that that is a big part of my personality, mm-hmm. but I think that the more confidence and the self-assertiveness in myself, I got with going to college. Yeah. Like, pushed me to become more a three. Mm-hmm. But I know that that's not always the healthiest. Right. But I think it's also, like, I don't think you'll know what is healthy for you until you, like, get there almost. Do you know what I mean? Like, so I think, like, going through college and going through this process and, like, finding out that, like, in these moments of stress, that is how you respond. Like, mm-hmm. that could be a bad thing or it could be a good thing, but I think it, like, takes that m- moment to, like, figure it out. Yeah. And it is cool. Like, I try to do it, like, every six months and Mm -hmm. see what, I don't know, what personality strengths are, like, more present at that moment. What is your, like, secondary one? My secondary? The last time I took this was in August. Mm -hmm. And my secondary one was number one, which is the reformer, which is Mm -hmm. principled, purposeful, self-controlled, and perfectionistic. Mm. Um... But number eight, which is the challenger, was my third. Okay. And back when I took this in high school, that was one of my lowest. Oh, like, really? seven, which is Claudia's, uh-huh. is always my lowest. <laughs> Consistently the lowest. Yeah. But then the challenger used to be really low for me, too. Like, I did mm-hmm. not like that self-confidence and willful and confrontational. Mm-hmm. But I feel like those traits have developed in me. Yeah. And that's what my mom is. Yeah. Oh, she really? She is. My dad's number nine, the peacemaker. Mm-hmm. My mom's the challenger. And my sister is number two, like Claudia's family. Mm-hmm. She's very centered on her relationships, and she mm-hmm. cares a lot about friends. But she also, if her friends do something without her... She gets really, really upset. And if that happens to me, I might be a little like peeved. I'm like, whatever, <laughs> I don't need people. But it really, really hurts her yeah. when that happens. Yeah. My mom is a loyalist. And I think like that's like reflected in her like I think she takes a lot of responsibility for others and like their actions. And like teacher. Yeah. And so like I think a lot of times she shouldn't. Like I think she takes responsibility for when like someone has an outburst and like it might be in a conversation with her, but it's not her responsibility to control. Like in the classroom or I think like with family, like in family dynamics and like when we're all like together and like someone gets upset, like one of our siblings gets upset, I think a lot of the times it like a lot of the six to me is being responsible for like the dynamic and being responsible for others. So like she sees I don't know yeah. if she intentionally sees it as, like... So I think it's the empathetic. Like, it's yeah, empath. it's the empathetic. Whereas, like, my dad has never taken it. What is he? I oh. Here's the thing. He's never taken it. But here, to me, that I think he's a challenger. I think he... Oh, for sure. Right? Something about it, like... If you refuse to take it. Yeah. My dad refuses to take astrology tests. He refuses to take this, the Myers-Briggs. Like, my dad is a stubborn man. And to me, if that is not the challenger... Then I need to reread the book. But I think, like, he is... He's a bit confrontational. My dad is a great lecturer. And when you don't listen to your le- his lectures, he gets a little peeved about it. Um, but, like, I think it just, like, it comes to, like, he does think he is right most of the time. Mm-hmm. And that can be good That's or bad. Just like my mother. Right. But it's, exactly. like, it's the, like, it's om- it is, like, self-confidence to the point of, like, no return. Like, I am right. So I'm just, like, I think he has to be that. And then my sister is the individualist, which is... She's going to acting school. Right. She's very dramatic. And, like, I think she is... I don't think it is more self-centered than Sevens. I think we're about tied just because I think her self-centeredness or, like, the self... 
reflection in that. Yeah, which isn't necessarily negative. Yeah, I was gonna say, like, self-centered doesn't have to be a bad connotation right now, but it's more just, like, she knows how she sees herself, and she knows how she wants to be seen. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I know, like, she knows what kind of image she wants to have, and she knows what she wants for herself, and so it's a lot of self-drivenness, which isn't necessarily bad, but it also, like, is interesting, whereas, like, a six is, like, looking at groups sometimes. Yes. So, like, it's just, like, interesting how everyone balances. So, like, maybe because my mom's a six that my sister and I are so independent. Like, I don't know. But yeah. I think, yeah. How do you feel about the centers, though? Like, there's, like, the thinking center, the feeling center, and the instinctive center. What center am I? So, you would be a feeling, and I'm a thinking. Which I is find funny. That curious. Right. I would think it would be flipped for the two of us. I'm looking up real fast the feelings triad. Yeah. Twos, threes, and five. It says for me that I like to deny my shame. They're <laughs> potentially the most out of touch with their underlying feelings of inadequacy. They learn to cope with shame by trying to be what they believe to be a valuable, successful person. I have mixed feelings about that. Um and I think that's where it comes, and maybe just because, like, I perceive that as negative that I want to be, like, no, that's not yeah. me. But that comes for, like, everyone is made up of multiple personality types. Yeah. But I feel like I am relatively in tune with my emotions. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I do try, and that comes, like, when I'm stressed. Yeah. I want to try to smush those emotions mm-hmm. by being driven. Right. And maybe that's what they're referring to. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that I'm not in touch with that. Yeah. I just want to, like, ignore it. <laughs> right, like, you know right. it. You're just choosing to not address <laughs> it. choosing not to address it. Yeah. Yeah, maybe they're right. I just think that's interesting because I don't think of myself as a thinking person. I definitely think I, my re- response, like, if you're going to, like, I don't know, I feel like I'm an impulsive responder. I don't think about things very well. Sevens have anxiety about their inner world. There are feelings of there are feelings of pain, loss, deprivation, and the general anxiety that sevens would like to avoid as much as possible. And to cope with these feelings, they keep their minds occupied with exciting possibilities and options. Okay, JK, I agree with that. In most cases, sevens do not stop merely at thinking about these options. However, as much as possible, they attempt to actually realize as many of their options as they can. Yikes, that's calling me out. That's my thing. I have a problem with committing to one thing. But this is, honestly, I feel like the reason I'm most excited about 2019 is that for the first time in my life, I have somewhat committed to a more specific region of, like, academia. Like, to me, by dropping human bio, I'm finally starting to streamline what I'm doing, which is, like, for me, huge, because I I don't like to not have options at all times. I'm the same way, but I think that that, like, same end goal is for me, because I'm like, I want to plan so much, I gotta plan fully for two options. Yeah, yeah. I'm, like, that's what I'm dealing with right now in college is, like, I have these two occupational therapy, which is, like, the human bio, like, the medical side, and then, like, after recreation. Yeah. And so I'm planning 100% committed to both of them. Yeah. Until one of them ends up (laughs) dropping. Do you feel like you're ever overextending because you're doing both? Constantly. Constantly? Okay. But I think that... It's a coping mechanism that mm-hmm. I use really well. Like, I can be very high achieving. Mm-hmm. And, like, in high school, I woke up at 5 every day for practice, went to school, had running after school every day, and, like, that was what I was used to. And I was successful with that. Maybe not happy, mm-hmm. but I was successful. Right. And so I have no idea how not to be overextended. Mm-hmm. And you're constantly overextended, too. Yeah. That's the thing. It's, like, I feel like I... Like, I didn't do sports and stuff like that, and, like, not that I didn't try. I tried. I just consistently (laughs) broke something in my body, so, like, gave up on that. But, like, I did the clubs, and I did, like, the different organizations, and, like, in college, I remember I started, I was, like, I'm gonna do two different majors. Like, I'm gonna do human bio, I'm gonna do the policy, I'm gonna be on the rowing team, I'm gonna be head president of this club, and then I was, like, I mean, like, part of me doing that was, like, I'm going to be a Rhodes Scholar, and that's going to allow me to do both paths and easily. So, like, I had this whole plan, but, like, as, like, every year, something has had to give. So, freshman year, like, I tried to do the job in rowing, had to quit rowing because I didn't have enough time for a job. And then, like, I quit stupid job because it was a stupid job. and like Turf grass? Right, turf grass. So, like, it's just, like, I think every year I've realized, like, I can't do it. Like, I think you're successful at overextending, but for me it's detrimental because, like, my GPA drops or, like, I have to drop something. So, like, I finally came to the realization that, like, 
the thing for me that needs to drop is human bio right now because like i think one day i might still do it and i'll take a class as i'm working and stuff like that but like for me that was like the most detrimental thing where like it impacted like my self-confidence in an academic setting which sucked because i like learning yeah so like i think that's interesting because like i wish overextending were my thing because like i do i don't know why Maybe this brings me to my other thing. I like feeling accomplished in the sense that I'm busy and oh, I'm good at it. Oh, not into that. We could say that. We could talk about that as a different one. But, like, I think part of that seven thing is having all the options is because something's going to fail and I need backups. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that's why I overcommit and overplan because I'm like, if one plan fails, good thing I have a B, C, D, E, F. <laughs> exactly. I, I just, like, think it's weird because, like, I know I don't need to have all the options. But I love them so much. And even as I, like, drop human bio, I'm like, well, here's the other option that I pretend I hadn't had, but I have. So now I'm French as a major instead of a minor. Like, it's always something else. It's just, yeah. like, slightly more it always more works out. It always works out. <laughs> wow. All right. Shall we move on to Myers-Briggs? Oh, yeah. So, Myers-Briggs is the one that... I definitely was my first stepping stone into the thing, the whole personality world... Um, and once again, going to the Myers-Briggs Foundation, so helpful. I actually didn't know there was foundations for all these things, which I guess makes sense. I just, like... You can get a career in Right. This. It's just, like... Backup plan. <laughs> Backup plan. Number option M. E. <laughs> M versus E. so many backups. I need more backup plans. I can okay. work in the ice cream the rest of my life. I can That's be, like, true. ice cream... Okay. Okay, we need... Like, we should do a web one day just talk about all the backup plans we have. But the Myers-Briggs personality inventory is to make the theory of psychological types described by... C.G. Jung. I'm probably not pronouncing that way. But it's to make this theory of psychological types understandable and useful in people's lives. So, um, it is based on four dichotomies, um, which is, in the thing you get, like, a series of letters, so it's, like, INFJ is yours? Yeah, so there's four different letters. Right, yeah. So the letters are, so you compile them in four, but they're made up of four different options. So the first one is where do we get our energy? And so your options are extroversion or introversion. So extroversion is like you get energy by being in group settings, whereas introversion is you need time alone to recharge. It's not about outgoing, it's about like recharging your like Mm -hmm. energy source. Um, And then the next one is how do we take in information? So one is sensing and the other is intuition. Sensing, um... I don't know what's the best way to describe that. Like, the way we interpret people and the way we interpret information from others. So, if I understand it correctly, sensing is about, like, how you understand it from others' perspectives and, like, what you're gathering as a group, whereas intuition is more about your gut feeling. So, Mm -hmm. it's about an individual process. And then how we make decisions is the next one, which is thinking versus feeling. So, sort of related to sensing and intuitive thinking is about like taking your time to like process the outcomes and like the consequences of what you're doing whereas feeling is like your gut reaction and like what you think will feel good first and maybe you're not considering the consequences right away once again like with all of these another one is better or worse it's just like what is your like reaction and then lastly it's how do we organize the world judging versus perceiving this one I have the hardest time with personally because like to me judging has a bad connotation normally but it's not meant to be a bad connotation here it's more about um I think it's more like you take in the world and you like process it through like your own lens You're like mm-hmm. how does this relate to me how does this process to mm-hmm. me like how do things fit together yeah and perceiving is more like this is the world I'm experiencing it more like in the moment the judging mm-hmm. I feel like is more you take it back and yeah. relate it to like other things in your experience in life okay, more yeah. often I like that yeah so those are the four dichotomies that the ba- test is based on. It's a series of questions, options, and then it sorts you into a four-letter combination. Combination. I have heard, so if you take the strict Myers-Briggs, you just get four letters. If you take the newer versions of it, they add an extra letter at the end. And I don't remember what all the options is, but it's like assertive versus um, submissive or something like that. Um, so it's just like what how you like, present yourself in a world setting but that's not a part of this original Myers-Briggs that's like a new thing that some people add so like in case you see that that's probably what it's referring to but um I don't really pay attention to that I've never heard of that so what are you so I am an INFJ okay what Um, does that mean so I am very introverted 
And that was one, I think we talked about this a bit in the mm-hmm. beginning. I'm interrupting this a bit. But that Myers-Briggs is very, like, linear. Yeah. Like, you're either extroverted or introverted. Mm-hmm. They don't take into account the spectrum of things. I think, like, all of these, like, literally everything in life is a spectrum. Um, But I know that I am very introverted. And then the N is knowing. N is, what was it? What was it again? Intuition. Intuition. Um... I'm curious. I do not know much. The N and F, I don't know much about. Mm-hmm. I actually don't know much about each of the letters as mm-hmm. themselves. I just know what they describe, like, the entire combination as. I feel like that's more valuable, too. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, INFJs, I'm very intuitive to myself and to other people. Um, and I'm, like, on a constant search for, like, my own unique identity and meaning and spirituality, and, like, I want to have a lot of integrity in myself, um, and then, like, little things, like, I am much better at expressing in writing than, like, verbally, Mm -hmm. um, and I, like, can appear very, like, cold and, like, standoffish, um, which I think, like, reading through these descriptions, I feel like they describe me well, mm-hmm. but then, like, the feeling part of it yeah. is in conflict, because I would think of myself, like, I'm a thinker, I'm very rational, I want to look through, I make pros and cons list for everything, mm-hmm. but I think at the end of the day, like, I'm pretty decisive, and, like, what feels better? Yeah. And maybe that's what they're drawing out. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know much about yours, either. Mine is, what am I? I'm an ENFP. ENFP? Yeah. I'm pretty sure, well, the li- this is the one I get the most when I take it. But then this is, like, a different website. But I think that's the one I get the most. So it's, like, I am extroverted, intuitive, feeling, and perceiving, Mm -hmm. which I think makes sense. I'm not a judger. I'm very bad at, like, taking it in and seeing what it means. I'm just like, okay, that makes sense, right? Um, Yes. But, um, so, like, this thing, so the one website that, like... I see pops up as, like, the 16 personalities website, which is not, like, the original thing, and that's the one that'll give you a fifth letter, but, like, it's chill. It's fine. So, it's, like, okay, it says it's the true free spirit, life of the party, blah, blah, blah. See, I feel like this amps up my outgoingness of it, because I do think... I actually disagree. I think I recharge being alone. Like, I think maybe when I was younger, I liked going out more and I'm like okay younger I'm 20 what the frick am I saying okay I think I recharge on my own and I think maybe I answer these questions based on like my outgoingness but I don't know that I recharge by being with other people necessarily because when I hang out with people in a group setting I look forward to like going home to my bedroom at the end of the day I don't know which I think brings it back to the spectrum thing yeah because it's like you are outgoing and like Mm -hmm. I peg outgoing people like you as extroverted Mm -hmm. but that's not usually true yeah I feel like you I don't know how you know and like I think for a while I would have called myself extroverted and like I don't know maybe I am and I just like don't know how to see it but like at the end of the day I do like being alone at some point I'll be honest, I don't really look to my Myers-Briggs very often. No. I forget about it all the time, and, like, I can't remember my letters most of the time. But that's what people usually ask. Yeah. But that's why it's confusing, because I'm like, oh, but, like, have you heard of the Enneagram, folks? Oh, let me tell you (laughs) about this test. I make everyone I know take it. Oh, yeah. I've stopped making everyone take it as much, because they want to take it right then and there, and I'm like, no, 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 just take the book. Like, don't do it right now. Except for sometimes I do want them to do it right now. I'm like, chop, chop, bitch, let's go. So, it depends. But I've also lost the book once or twice, so I found it. It's in my room somewhere, but, like, I'm being a lot more careless lately. My goal of the New Year is to go home and, like, home. Ooh, sorry, Mom and Dad. Um, to reorganize my room, because I realize there's a lot of stuff in my room at home that is fucked up. <laughs> Alright, shall we move on? Yeah, this is my least favorite test. The Myers-Briggs, sorry. It's still, it's fine. It is what it is. Important to consider. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The next one is the philosophy dichotomies. I heard about this on probably Twitter. Let's be real. I hate that that's where I get information, but it is where I get a lot of it's information nowadays. I know, but I hate it. Our president uses it. That's horrible. <clears throat> that's, a, that's the exact reason why not to do this. But, so, 
The dichotomy is a test that should take you about 15 minutes and it gives you a bunch of options and so it tells you percentage-wise different dichotomies. So the first one is materialism versus spiritualism. Um, and this is the metaphysical axis and how you view reality. So if you're more materialism centered, um, all of reality is physical and material. And if you're more towards the spiritualism side of the spectrum, um, you believe that some of reality transcends the physical and material. So both of us are very heavily, we're in the 70s mm-hmm. for spiritualism over materialism. Yeah. Which um. I think makes sense. Just like, I think also like, I remember like going to college, I was like, no one's going to have a friendship like I do with Audrey, like whatever. Because like to me, when sometimes we talk, like it's just like random shit but like our theories about like the world and like I just there was like one day in high school like I remember us talking about like spirituality for like hours and like so fun so still, good times yeah still developing that but oh, I yeah. like it doesn't make sense to me that everything's just physical no but I thought it's a spectrum too yeah because I, I think there's like a value to understanding reality as a physical like and material existence but like For me, it would make me sad if that was it. (laughs) All right. The next axis is the societal axis, and this is your attitude towards society. So there's egoism, um, which is where you feel the individual is the most important. And then on the other side is altruism, which is the community is the most important. And we're both in the 70s for altruism, too. Mm -hmm. I agree with, like, I'm, yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. I think it's interesting, though, because I feel like Western society in general is a very individualistic society yes. and, like, culture. It's, like, nice to know that we're not totally self-centered, but, yeah. like... But then, like, is our idea of we're not self-centered, how does that compare to other people? Oh, yeah. Like, this is, like, a, it's an individual mm-hmm. test, and that would be a very interesting study about how people in, like, maybe more community-centered cultures... Mm-hmm. Oh, that's, like, yes. I think that's, su- oh, I would love to, like, give me a research paper about that. A 10 out of 10, great afternoon. You can write it. Oh, good, good point. <laughs> so we're pretty consistent on those two. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the decision-making access. So this is how you pre- approach decision-making and your actions. Um, on one end is idealism, which is the underlying principles are the most important. And then pragmatism, which is the results are most important. So I'm pretty much 50-50. I'm like 51 idealism, 49 pragmatism, which I think is true. If I were to describe myself, I'd be like, I'm pretty pragmatic. Um, but I don't think I really understand what that word means. Yeah. Um, but then I do like thinking like there is like morality and like that principles behind it. Mm-hmm. So I'd agree with that. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm more idealism. I'm, like, almost 60 idealism versus 40 pragmatism. Um, and I think that's fair. I think the results are important to me, but I think, like, the ethics of, like, getting to those results are more important to me. And, like, I don't know, I've been watching, like, The Good Place lately, which I think is hilarious. But I think that's interesting, because, like, do the results matter if you have done, like, the right steps, but even if, like, if you do all the right things and you still get the wrong answer, is it worth it? And to me, I would say yes. Yeah. And yeah. I'm, and, like, you saying putting it that way, I'm like, mm-hmm. yes. Mm-hmm. But. But there's also many different ways to talk yeah. about it, yeah. So we're even there. Mm-hmm. Then sensuality mm-hmm. access is how you approach your indulgences. So there is hedonism. Um, is that pleasure is intrinsically good and should be desired. Mm-hmm. And then aestheticism. Yeah, that one I, yeah. Which okay. is abstinence from pleasure in order to discover meaning is the most important. So oh. I am about 70% aestheticism. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm very into the idea of minimalism. Mm. But I think I've convinced myself that that will bring more, like, clarity or whatever that means. So I'm constantly looking through my clothes and getting rid of stuff and mm-hmm. getting rid of stuff. Um, I finally realized the other day, I'm like, Audrey, you are obsessed with material possessions because oh. literally every day you go through all your material possessions to see what to get rid of. Oh. So I put, that's one of my intentions for this year is that I can do that once a month because it brings me great joy, mm-hmm. but I am too focused on that. 
That's an interesting way of thinking about it. This one was the category I was most confused with because I didn't really know what they meant. And, like, I looked them up, but it still didn't make sense to me. But I think that made the most sense to me. Yeah, I do probably am more likely to think that pleasure is a good thing. And Mm -hmm. I do think, like, I think actually one of my goals for this year is just to have joy. Like, to find joy. And, like, just for the sake of finding joy. No, and I agree with that. That's why it says pleasure should be desired. I'm like, that is what I'm trying to lean towards more. But, like, Brady, find that balance. Like, I want pleasure without stuff. Yeah. I've also been thinking more about um, the stuff stuff stuff. Um, yeah, that stuff. Um, have you heard, you know that one book where it's, like, the art of losing something? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So Netflix just has a new series with that author, and she goes into people's houses and helps her, I think. Helps them. Um, I want to watch that because I do think I like the idea of it. I just don't know how to get rid of stuff. Oh, my goodness. Let me come over for a day. And I'm just scared of my stuff. That used to be my favorite days of probably the week yeah. with my sister. I'm like, Amy, time to go through the basement. And she's like, no. <laughs> um, and we'd look through every toy and I'm yeah. like, we can rid of this, not this, this. Yeah. Well, that's what, honestly, that's what I'm looking forward to. I want to go back to my apartment and go through my room and like purge stuff. Cause like there's so much shit under my bed that I keep because I'm afraid I'll need it one day. I'm not going to need yeah. it. And I know that. So I'm like very excited to go through and get rid of it. Cause like it's the first week of class. I don't have much to do anyways. I mean, I, I'm sure I could find things, but, like, I'm excited to purge my yeah. room. Like, it feels like a new start when I do that. I'm just rereading this now, too, but yeah. it's not saying material goods. And we've spun it material goods. Yeah. It's, like, um, absence from pleasure. And I feel like that part I may be more for, because I'm, like, I'm into, like, I want to go for a run, and I want to mm. hurt, and <laughs> I want to, like, <laughs> that sounds so sadistic. Um... But I'm like, I'd rather work really hard and be uncomfortable mm-hmm. in order to have a greater end result. Yeah. Okay. Instead of, like, I'll just enjoy every moment. I also think about that in relationships. Like, I'm not the best at living in the moment. Like, when I, like, if I were to go on a date, like, I'm, like, having a good time, but I'm also, like, how does this play out in a big picture? Yeah. Which is annoying and, like, re- prevents me from, like, enjoying that moment to the fullest where I'm just, like... But he, he doesn't want to do this or like blah blah blah. So like that that's how I think of it too. I feel like we put so much pressure on ourselves though to like I need to enjoy this moment. That yeah. Yeah. All right. So that one needs further exploration. Yeah. Then there is the meaning access, which is whether you believe in objective meaning. So nihilism is you believe that there's neither meaning nor morality are objective. And moralism is the opposite side, which means morality and meaning are objective to some extent. Mm. Um, we're pretty close. We're pretty close. Yeah, I'm 64% moralism, 36% nihilism. Yeah, I'm 60 moralism, 40 nihilism. So we're pretty close. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, like, thinking of, like, the big moral dilemmas that we're usually posed with. It's, like, murder. Yeah. And... Like, for me, myself, personally, I'm like, that is immoral. Mm -hmm. But then I'm like, I believe that maybe in some cases someone has a legitimate reason for doing that. Mm -hmm. Or if, like, if someone steals, like, baby food from the store. Some people are like, that is against the law. That is wrong. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, that's not immoral. Yeah. I agree, yeah. I guess it says to some extent. Yeah, I think I'm pretty okay with my meaning axis just because, like, I think I'm still learning what that means to be, like, Mm -hmm. morality and, like, I yeah. think it's also confusing just because, like, in our climate with, like, who gets away with what under the law, it's confusing yeah. to understand what morality means to me because I don't think the law reflects it. So I'm trying to look yeah. at other words. And we're, like, conditioned to define it as this yeah. law. This is moral. Mm-hmm. That was one of my big, um, like, personal growths um, was going to college. Like, before college, I'm like, oh, the death penalty is good. It's mm. moral. And then we read, like, Just Mercy – Oh, I forget who wrote that. Uh, Stevenson. Brian Stevenson. Brian Stevenson. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, no, my gosh, the death penalty is completely immoral because mm-hmm. it, like, hugely is for people of color. Mm-hmm. And there's, like, lots of things surrounding that. But our law is, like, not yeah. moral. Yeah. I think it's interesting because, like, I, as a kid, I was like, law is justice. But I think justice and law no longer mean the same thing to yeah. me. And, like, they don't. I'm sure for some people it can mean the same thing. It just doesn't for me. The next one mm-hmm. is where we're the most different, and oh, this yeah. is the values access, which is what you value most. Oh, God. Um, so there's rationalism, which is intellect and logic, and romanticism, which is passions in the heart. 
And I'm almost exactly 50-50. Wow, you really are. Like 50.7 and 49.3. Yeah. I am not. (laughs) I'm 30%. I'm under 30% rationalism and over 70% romanticism. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, God. I wish I were 50-50 on this one. I just, like, I think it's fine to have, like, passion and whatever, but, like, I don't believe in following your passion to some degree. Shindel got to you. He did, because I don't believe in following, like, because passions can die. But, like, logic can't die. I don't don't know. (laughs) That's a conflicting thing for me, because for a while, like, I think I was doing the human bio because that was logical. Mm -hmm. Like, I want to help people in a way I can help people is becoming a doctor. But then I realized I don't, I'm not passionate about that. And it's not reflect, and like my lack of passion is reflected in like how I perform in classes and like how I talk about it even. Like I talk about it as my, I talked about human bio as is something I had to do, not something I wanted to do. So like, I think that makes sense. I don't know if I support my own, like, I don't know if I support my own subconscious of being pro-passion. My logic is saying no, and then me, the rest of me is being like, yes, romanticism, life. It's supposed to be flowers. Flowers. I mean, maybe that's why I'm like, oh, I kind of want more of that. Because mm. I'm so, like, the intellect and logic, and, like, I think, we will touch on this a bit later, but, like, how um, you're raised and, like, your personality, mm-hmm. and, like, Obviously, everyone's multidimensional. That's what we've been exploring this entire podcast. Mm-hmm. But, like, my dad is very, very, like, logical and intellectual. Mm-hmm. And, like, always learning. And, like, he's a scientist. Um, and so I feel like I got a lot of that from him. And, like, I see those developing in me. And that's been, like, valued in my mm-hmm. childhood. Um, and then my mom works in a hospital. Like, she is also extremely intelligent but she has more of that passion. Like, when she was in her 20s, she dropped everything and backpacked around Australia for six months without a plan and then spent weeks at a time sailing around the Caribbean. She taught herself how to, like, sail. She got her scuba certification. She did all these things that I often forget about because now she's, like, a working professional. Mm -hmm. But she's much more inclined to follow, like, that drive and that passion I feel like I don't know a lot about that about her mm-hmm. or about myself. I'm much more logic is safe. Yeah. I didn't know your mom did that. Yeah. She doesn't tell. And so my dad's like, oh, he's the one who goes hiking. He does this. But my mom spends six months backpacking. That's amazing. That's so yeah. cool. I I also wonder, like, like not to, like, project. Well, no, I'm going to project my opinions. On what my, I think my dad, like, might have come to the United States in, like, a romanticism, like, pursuit. And, like, because he spent his, like... 20s bachelor years whatever traveling europe by himself and then he like came to united when did he move to the u.s for like 84 good good. so he lived in cote d'ivoire then he traveled and then moved to the u.s Mm -hmm. okay yeah so because like he lived in cote d'ivoire and would travel around and stuff like that and he always came back to cote d'ivoire as like his end place but like 84 was when he came here and stayed okay yeah his formative years were traveling and yeah and in west africa yeah. yeah so like i think like maybe that is like my dad had like the romanticism of the united states and maybe that's where i get some of it and like my mom moved out to the east coast by herself and like both my parents were like very independent like idealistic people yeah. so like maybe that's where i get it from but like i try so hard i think to be a logical person i don't think anyone in my family is very logical like i don't think most of us are driven by logic like i think even like my aunts and uncles are very passion oriented people it's, like, it's fine. I'm just, like... Yeah, again, there's no, like... Yeah, it's just wild, yeah. Last one All right, is... the last one is the epistemological ology mm. access. If I say it fast enough, you won't know that I can't pronounce it. <laughs> I'm studying for the GREs right now. Are you Man. really? Have you already started? Yeah. When are you taking it? Oh, in, like, three weeks. What the... F- <laughs> are you serious? That's terrifying, but I'm also very impressed. How do you feel about that? I'm sorry. Just a quick tangent. <laughs> quick tangent. <laughs> Um, it's definitely harder than, actually, I love studying for it. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I think also because yeah. I haven't taken classes in a while, mm. then, like, intellectual stimulation. Yeah. Anyway, so the last one. <laughs> um, what's it? It's your attitude towards knowledge. Okay. So skepticism is that we can never truly know anything for sure. <laughs> and then absolutism is there objective truths that can also be understood. Oh, <gasps> really? I don't like my response then. <laughs> 
Okay, what's your So, I'm pretty close to 50-50. I'm, like, 52 skepticism and 48 absolutism. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I haven't explored this a lot. I know that I'm very knowledge-focused. Like, I want to get knowledge. Yeah. I feel like I thought that I probably would have... I feel like I'm a skeptic, but yeah. that I would score higher for absolutism. Yeah. But I am a 43% skeptic and 56% absolutist, which I'm just a little shocked by. Maybe I'm more of an absolutist than I thought. I like to talk about the things we, like, Shindell. Shout out to Shindell. Love that man. But you, you don't know what you don't know, and that is my favorite topic. Time and not knowing what you don't know are my favorite things to Have talk about. Have you done a about. podcast on time yet? No, I, I, this is like, that's a, that's a big, like, that's important to me, so, like, I feel like if I do that, it has to be perfect. Okay. And I also haven't decided how I perceive time yet. That's a whole different thing. But anyways, so, skeptic, you can never truly know anything for sure. I guess, yeah. But I, here's why maybe I get it lower. I don't think that's a bad thing, and I think it is objective and it is absolute that you will never actually know a pure truth. You know oh, yeah, because I mean? the truth is yeah. different for everyone. Exactly. And like, I what think is a fact? Nothing's a fact because it's all about who perceives it and who agrees to this concept. Mm-hmm. So to me, maybe I'm an absolutist about the fact that truth is not a pure thing. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so those are the dichotomies. Yeah, I feel like this was, you shared this with me last night. I took mm-hmm. this one this morning. And I feel like this one is almost the most, like, applicable. Mm-hmm. Um, cause it's not like, oh, you're just this, this is cool, this is what you're like. Yeah. This one, I feel like it's challenging me to, like, question and understand some of my motivations and beliefs about the world. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Even more, which I guess we can go into, like, some more closing thoughts about the purpose of the personality test. Right. Cause my biggest question when I take a personality test, and a lot of people, I think, question when other people talk about, like, their personality test responses... Is like, are you doing it to understand yourself? Or are you doing it to like feed whatever narcissism or like feed like some self fulfilling prophecy as like, I know what I want to be, so I'm going to take a test knowing those things or knowing those goals and like ensuring that I get those outcomes or hoping that I will. Yeah, that's what in the first like introduction for the Enneagram test, mm-hmm. they talk about that you have different personalities. Yeah. It's like you have like your true personality. Mm-hmm. And then you have what you, like, aspire to be. Yeah. And then there's, like, how other people perceive you and yeah. all these things. I know that for the Myers-Briggs test, mm-hmm. I often take it with that almost a feeling narcissism. Narcissism. Yeah. Because the INFJ, it's all like, oh, that's the rarest personality type. It's, like, uh. 0.1% of the population. Mm-hmm. So, like, I got it once, and now every time I take it, I'm like, oh, I hope I still get that so I can be special. And I think that that is, like, a negative perspective on it. Mm-hmm. I feel like for the most part, I'm so drawn to personality tests because I want to understand myself. Yeah. I definitely, like, I want to say I want to understand myself, but at the same time, I take the Enneagram, and, like, the first time I took it, I took it very genuinely, like, let's just see what happens. Ever since, I take it, and I do hope I get a seven, because for me, if I don't get a seven, then I'm confused. Like, it's then part it's of like, your identity. Yeah, then I'm like, it is becoming a part of my identity, especially because I took it so young. It is such a part of my identity. And, like, if it's not true, then what is true? And, like, I do need some, like, personal truths in my life to stay consistent. So, like, for me, it's like, yes, it's about under- You're a skeptic. I know. No, you're right? not a skeptic. But I'm not a skeptic. That's why I'm confused. So, like, I need, like, certain aspects of my life to be consistent. But I also do think, like, now that I've seen this, I'm like, I like this, and I like the way I rationalize being it. being seven? Yeah, so I'm like, now it has to be that, so that's when I'm like, okay, maybe that's a little narcissistic of me. Because I think, I like the seven, and I want to be a seven, so I make sure I am a seven. I feel like a seven would say that. A seven would say that. Oh, yeah. I think generally most people take it as a way to, like, get some insight into yourself, because I do think in our society, people don't know how to talk about themselves, in a certain sense, because, like, you're either perceived as you're full of yourself or, like, you're trying to brag, but, like, I think it is important to, like, have different tools to understand how you respond to things. Yeah, no, that was really cool reading about, like, this is why some people might get frustrated with you. Mm -hmm. And, like, not just going in, for Enneagram, I feel like a lot of it is, like, these are, like, all the positive things. Like, these are just, like, arbitrary things that describe you that can kind of apply to everyone, but, like, really apply to you. Mm -hmm. And I know that 
the teachers, like, in 10th grade, we, like, took a color personality test. Yeah. So she can kind of figure out how people work together. Mm-hmm. And so I'm super big, like, when I am, like, in relationships, like, I want people to take these tests mm-hmm. so I know how people work together. Yeah. Yeah, I think they're useful. I like telling people to do it. I really like it when people take the Enneagram test just because, like, I think it's interesting to see how like with to see how they understand their responses and then like I also like looking up like because like the book doesn't have it but you can look up like how threes and sevens work together and how two sixes work together and I think it's like yeah a nice way to like build relationships and like understand like the best ways in relationships because even if it's wrong you being able to pinpoint that that isn't true about yourself still says something yeah exactly and I feel like anything that makes you analyze yourself and think about like who you are and how you interact with other people and how you Tray yourself is important. Self-reflection is good. Yeah. Yeah. The personality test. Take them. Take them off. All right. Enneagram, Myers-Briggs. Mm-hmm. Dichotomy. Dichotomy. I'll have links to all three of them in the description. I also include a link to, like, the book for the Enneagram mm-hmm. and, like, some websites because I do think even if you just take them, the words are helpful, but reading about it is a little bit more insightful I would highly suggest getting the Enneagram book as well because it has the full length test. Yeah, the um, one online is a short version. Yeah, and it's still fine, but like the longer one to me is more accurate and it's also like more insightful. And then you get to read about yourself, and who doesn't love that? It's also not that expensive. Um, however, okay, I'm gonna include an Amazon link, but if you can find it at your local bookstore, that is do better. That. Do not. Okay, yeah, I have opinions about Amazon, but like that's a whole different thing. Anyways, I'll give you the option. It's all going to be there. Take them. Let us know what you've got. Let us know what you think. Thanks for being on the podcast, Audrey. You're welcome. What'd you think? It was pretty cool. It's like every conversation we have, but now <laughs> it's going to be recorded forever. <laughs> Do you feel like... I feel like more theatrical when I'm doing it. Like, I maybe I am always theatrical. I don't know. You tell me. I definitely talk louder. Yeah, yeah, I talk louder. <laughs> I like it, though. But anyways, so thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you guys for tuning in, and I'm Claudia Liu. I'm Audrey Krim. And this has been another episode of That Idiot in the Elevator. Check us next week for another episode. Bye.